Just tonight, give God the praise and the glory. Amen. I want you to turn your Bible tonight to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Verse, uh, we'll start at verse number 13 of the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Now, this is something you hear usually at funerals. I'm changing it around tonight. This is what God gave me this afternoon. I would have never believed, and I'm going to say this as a start of it, it's not tied to the message, but I never would have believed that I would live long enough or that it would even happen that America would turn her back on the nation of Israel. Now, she hasn't done that completely, but she's so far gone on it that it's over. And I, I still claim and still believe that chapter 12 of the book of Genesis should wake America up to think that if we bless Israel, God will bless us. And God said if we curse Israel, we'll be cursed. And you can count on it tonight. That's where we, our nation has come to. Now, they're not telling you they're against Israel, but the way they're talking is they are undermining Israel. And they've started in the, in the process of degrading Israel. And uh, they're, they're trying to figure out how to stay politically correct and end up being on their side doing what they want to do. And Israel's going to catch the blunt of it. But you know what? God's got somebody bigger and greater than America on their side. Amen. Amen. You would think a superpower called America would be behind Israel 150%. Amen. But I believe Israel, amen, would do more for America than America would do for Israel. Amen. I see all the stuff I'm saying, and I'm saying that because you watch the news, and it's going to get worse. I've already seen it change in the last, uh, since this war has been going on. But tonight, and I want to take the book, and I want us to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm going to use the scriptures. I still hear people that cannot, and I guess never will, understand the differences between the comings of the Lord. There's three comings of the Lord. You may not agree with that, and I guess I caught your attention. But the first coming has already happened. He came, as Brother Joe talked about, born of a virgin. Amen. Lived his life and died on the cross of Calvary. He came the first time to save and redeem mankind and pay the sin debt. Amen. The second time he'll come will be when he comes in the clouds to receive the saints of God into glory or his bride. Now, that is a separate thing from putting his feet on the Mount of Olives. I don't understand that. I hear people say those two things, the rapture and the revelation, are all the same. And it's not. You cannot. I'm going to show you out of the Bible tonight that uh, this is different than, the, than when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives. And we're going to look at this, and I pray you'll see that. You know, if you take the Word of God... Amen, and just swallow it and digest it and let it get soaked down on the inside. Amen. You won't be affected by the by the deceivers of the world. Amen. 
You see, the reason people are falling for everything is because they're not standing for anything. You stand for what you believe and you stand that and get that fixed in your mind. And if you don't know, you can't stand. Amen. And if somebody comes along and tells you uh, that green is blue and another comes along and said red is purple, uh, then uh, if you know what the colors are, nobody's going to change you. And so we look at the word of God. So I pray tonight you'll take your Bible and let's look at this. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 13. I've read this scripture many times at the graveside and tried to give comfort to the people of God. And see, that's what Paul's doing. He said tonight, but I would not have you to be ignorant. Amen. You know what the Bible says, don't you? If you, if you want to be ignorant, it talks about if, you, uh, if you're ignorant, uh, you be ignorant still. God won't change that. Amen. And uh, so you, you've got that choice. You can be ignorant if you want to. But I want to follow the word of God. But I would not have you to be ignorant. And then he says, brethren. Now he's not talking to the heathen. He didn't say, but I would not have you to be ignorant, heathen. I'd not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Brethren are those who are born again, saved by the grace of God. It's, it's hard to get church members to believe anything, but it's not hard to get brethren to agree on something. Amen. Now they got to be way out. Amen. I, they have. Now the Bible said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, that word asleep is not in the thought of taking a nap or resting for night to start another day. That word asleep means dead. They're not alive anymore. So he's clearing that. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Amen. When you die, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be asleep till the Lord comes. I'm not talking about your soul. I'm not talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your body. Right. Amen. When you die, you'll be limp. When you die, you will be unanimated. You move we move and in him we live and move and have our being. But we're called out of here. The spirit of God, amen, goes with us. Our soul and our spirit will continue to live, but not in our body. It's hard to separate the body from the spirit and the soul. That's why lots of times people go through a, Few days of, of dying, it's hard to separate the body and the soul and spirit. The soul and the spirit is alive forevermore if you're saved. But that body got to go back to the ground, to the dust from whence it comes. It will start decaying. Amen. Now the Bible says in verse 14, uh, he tells us on there, for if we believe... If we believe, for if we believe, 
Amen. He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do you believe that? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's what happens when you die. You sleep in Jesus. The body is. We got people in the world that says that our soul will sleep. And that's not Bible. They can't find a, a bit of Bible to teach that. There's some that say when we die, we're gone forever. We do not exist. That's wrong. You can't find that in your Bible. Now you go on and he says here in verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, not by our minds or mights or wisdom or our mentality. But he said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. I was talking to somebody and we, were got in, we got into a discussion and that person said to me, he said, the rapture and the revelation will all happen at the same time. I want to hedge you off at the past tonight and don't let nobody deceive you with that kind of rotten junk. We're talking tonight about the rapture. We're not talking about the revelation. The second coming of the Lord is in two stages. Amen. He's coming in the clouds for his saints. And then he's coming to the Mount of Olives to wind up with his saints. And if you don't get to, you said, I think everybody in here knows that. I just want to make sure. I don't want you to even give the thought to anything other than that. There's crazy folks out there call themselves preachers that will deny what I tell you tonight. And you're going to be miserable if you believe it. You're not going to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. I drive through Habersham Mills over there where my wife's buried and I look over at the grave most of the time. I look over and I really just check to see her flowers are still on the grave. And I say to myself, I'll meet you in the morning. Amen. Amen. She's not there. Her body is. All right, I want to go on down just a little bit and talk about it. And this is things that you should know. I'm not trying to tell you anything new tonight. If I do, it's because you didn't know anything old that's right. And I'm trying to pin down exactly how this is and just nail it in the head again, amen, and make you get to where you're the place that you can rejoice off of it. You see what the Bible says in verse 18? I'm skipping down. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. These are words that I'm preaching tonight that are to be a comfort to you. Amen. Now, I'm not looking for the graveyard. Right. I'm looking to go up in the air and be called up out of the graveyard if I'm there and to bypass the graveyard if I hadn't got there yet. 
But I want to tell you something. I can rejoice and I can have comfort and I can have strength and I can have peace thinking about the Lord coming. There's a lot of church folks would hear this tonight and think, well, I don't really get too excited about that. And that's the reason, the reason is because they're not right with God. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you know that you've got a heavenly home, I'll guarantee you, you can rejoice with me tonight on this. But I, here's what I like. In verse number 16, like it all, but look what he says. For the Lord himself, not an imitator, not a substitute, amen, not somebody else, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He tells us where he's at. He's in heaven. And tells us he's going to come and get us if he's going to come down. Bible, if he's going to descend, he's coming back. Somebody says, well, Jesus is on the earth. I walk with him. No, he's not on the earth. He's in your heart through the spirit of God. You know where Jesus is? He's at the right hand of the father. You can't change that. He's waiting for the Father to say, go get your bride. All right. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. In the clouds. What's the clouds? God's transportation department. Amen. Oh, Elijah went up in the clouds. Amen. On a flaming chariot. Jesus went up in the clouds in the book of Acts chapter 1. Said ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, what did it say? For the Lord himself. This same Jesus went up, will come in like manner. How's he? If he went up in the clouds, what's he going to do? He's going to come back in the clouds. He's coming back with a shout. Here's why I can separate this from the end. of The Bible says, and it talks about this in verse 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. According to what I read there, that's all's going to hear him when he comes. The unbeliever's not going to hear him. He's coming after the saints of God in the clouds. I called it the other day the imminent return of Jesus. Imminent means simply tonight that it's at hand, it's near, it's going to be quick, it's going to be swift, it's going to take place before you know it. Matter of fact, we're going to be raptured quicker than we even think about it. It's going to be a wondrous to our eyes. Hey, what happened? And then we're going to see everybody in glory. Somebody said, you think it's that way? Well, according to the Bible, it is. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I like this, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. He ain't going to get away from us. 
And we're not going to get away from him. He's not coming, amen, uh, to bring judgment in this place here. He's coming to deliver the saints. He's never promised the church that he's going to bring judgment on them. He tells us we're going to face judgment in glory. He's going to pull the books, get every one of the files open. He's going to take my works and your works and he's going to search them out. He's going to know everything, even the stuff that you've done forgotten, think it's okay and it's going to get by with. He's going to open it. He's going to read it to you. You're going to have it. Amen. Absolutely. I could give you 1 Corinthians 3. I could give you another place in, in the Corinthians 2 about the judgment seat of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. To be judged according to the deeds done in our body. Now, I said a while ago that rapture is going to be imminent. That means it's just us, the saints of God. And if you're not saved, you'll never even know it happened unless it happens before your eyes. If I'm standing here preaching, next thing you know, all you, I mean, you don't see all, all my clothes fall to the floor, my glasses and everything else, and you're going to say, what happened? You better make sure you're ready so you can go with me. All right. So he said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now that's not what the second coming tells us. The Bible says there that ever I shall see him. Amen. Can't be the same thing then. The Bible said he'll put his feet on the Mount of Olives. Oh, you, I understand that, preacher. That's a contradiction in the Bible. No, it's between your ears. You understand? You have to rightly divide the Word of God to know. God's got it all planned out. It's going just like God said. Amen. I've been looking at that little scripture, and I mentioned it just a little bit on Wednesday night. About, about the scripture in, in uh, Matthew. Let's turn over to Matthew. I'm going to go to another place in just a minute, but I want to read you this. In the book of Matthew chapter 24. Amen. How many know what the Olivet Discourse is? No hands. I know Brother Burl's heard of it. He's preached on it, I'm sure. But the Olivet Discourse, there are several discourses in the Bible. But if I ask you tonight to stand up and tell me what the Olivet Discourse is, could you do it? We're going to be teaching that soon. And a discourse is something that's laid out. It's like a, a writing. And God or the Lord Jesus give us several discourses. But would you turn with me please to chapter 24. I'm going to outline this to you right quick. I did it on Wednesday night. I'll do it again tonight. The disciples who were Jews. They come to Jesus and they said to him. As he said on the Mount of Olives. Tell us when 
He hears the questions. They ask him, tell us when shall these things be? Question number one. Number two, and the second question is, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? Jews have to have a sign. Thirdly, and uh, and says, and he didn't say it just like this, but that's what they're saying, and the sign of the end of the world. They ask him three questions. So he proceeds, or per, uh, pursues to answer those three questions in the 24th chapter of Matthew. And so he starts off and he answers unto them. He said, take heed in verse number four, take heed that no man deceive you. The second thing he said is, for many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ and deceive many. Somebody said that's the last times. No, that's pointing to the last times. This was happening when I was a young man. This was happening a hundred years ago. The beginning of sorrows, it says. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I could give you story after story how some aborted spacecrafts and took out of here, drunk Kool-Aid and left. I can tell you how people been listening to false prophets and teachers and went in the wrong direction. And he said, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. I heard of wars when I was a boy. Matter of fact, my daddy came back out of World War II. We've had the Korean conflict. We've had the Vietnam War. We've had wars about everywhere. And now we have wars on our streets. That ain't telling us that the Lord's coming yet. He just said he's pointing to it. And he said, see that you be not troubled. Amen. People have been troubled over all them, all them things all the time. But he said, for these things must come to pass. But the end's not yet. This has nothing to do with the end times. This is what is going on in the church age. Verse 7 said, For nation shall rise against nation. Can anybody remember when no nation ever rose against another nation? All your life you've had that. And kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. Can you remember when they didn't have famines? I heard in vice boy that they had famines everywhere. I read in the history books that lots of people had famines. I read in the word of God where uh, Abraham had a land is in the famine. He went to Egypt because of it. And pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So the Lord sums it up and he said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And that's where we've been for the last many years. Beginning of sorrows. But can you look at verse 9? Here's where everybody messes up with the book of Matthew. It said in verse number 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Now we have terrorists in our country. We have in other countries. And we have those. But now remember, he's talking to the Jew here. 
And he's talking to the beginning of the church because Peter and James and John's sitting there listening to him. And shall kill you and shall be hated of my of all nations for my name's sake. And everybody said, one of these days the church is going to be hated and despised and killed. Could be a possibility. It has been in days past. But we adjusted the beginning of Saurus, and when we get to verse 9, it's starting the beginning of the tribulation. The tribulation is broken into two parts. I'm repeating myself tonight. The first part is called tribulation. The second part is called great tribulation. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. I see that coming so much. Even church folks can't get along one with another anymore. And that's not tribulation. We're not in tribulation. If anything happens now, we're going to be in persecution. And persecution is from the world. Tribulation is from God. You with me? If anybody talks about us, makes fun of us, throws a rock at us, puts it in jail for preaching and all, that's what we call persecution. Mm -hmm. For standing for the truth. Do you believe tonight we'd have more persecution if we stood stronger for God and didn't pay no attention to what man says and begin to obey God and preach the gospel everywhere? Don't you think we'd have more persecution? What if you get your hands full of tracts tomorrow and you, you, you'd intend to give out a hundred tracts tomorrow regardless what happens and what comes your way? I'll guarantee you, you'll have some opposition and some persecution. But that's not tribulation. Many shall hate one. And it says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now that's per, that's, uh, that's persecution to us today. But in the tribulation, this is the beginning of the tribulation. That's what you're going to see. Yeah. Are you understanding? We're not there. We're not there yet. We're not in the tribulation. I hear people say, we're in the tribulation now, preacher. Uh-uh. They're not looking at the Bible. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We're there. Amen, to a degree, but we're not in tribulation. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And boy, I'll tell you right now, the, the Pentecostals love that. I had some uh, Jehovah's Witness come to my door one day. I was trying to win a, a man to God. He was on his knees. I was trying to talk to him about the Lord Jesus. almost had him won to the Lord. But you know, when you get in a place like that, the devil always shows up. Oh, yeah. These two ladies stood there at the door and they said something about, uh, and I said something, about, have you ladies been saved? And they said, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. I said, where in the world did you find that in the Bible? I was playing with them, amen. I knew where it was. She's looking and I said, what about Matthew 24, 13? She said, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. I said, you don't even know what you're reading. This is a tribulation. 
In the tribulation, if they take that mark or don't take that mark, they're going to have to endure to the end without taking that mark. Because if they take that mark, they're doomed. And then he said this, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Everybody says the world, the, the gospel's got to be preached by the church till all the world hears the gospel. I've heard that all my life. He's talking about the tribulation. When you've got them two witnesses and 144,000 Jews going up and down the world preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody argued me one day, said that don't say nothing about the gospel of the kingdom in the tribulation of them 144,000. No, it don't. But it says that's what they're going to preach. Yeah. Don't say nothing about the 144,000 right here in this verse. But I'm not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Brother Byron's not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We're preaching the gospel of the grace of God. But when a church is caught out of here, he's going to start reverting to them. Can you see the reason of that? God's not preaching to the Gentiles tonight the gospel of the kingdom because the kingdom was not promised and prepared for me and you. We are an earthly, or they are an earthly people with an earthly promise. We are a heavenly people with a heavenly promise. Amen. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God didn't tell me I had a kingdom. He did tell me that we'll rule and reign in that kingdom. For a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The end come. See, he's answering those questions. Three questions. Now, look at verse 50. I'm going to show you what I, what I want you to see here in just a moment. Verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Then he said, whoso readeth, let him understand. So when you see that, something you need to know what's going on. He tells you in verse number 16, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Do you see that? Jews, when you see the abomination of desolation stand up in the holy place and declare that he's God and then turn around and build an image for you to worship, get out of Dodge. Leave. Get away. I mean, if you're in Jerusalem, that you flee to the mountains. Another place it says, go to the wilderness. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Verse 18, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Don't get nothing. Get out of here. Something's just happened. In verse 15, the abomination of desolation that's the middle part of the tribulation hour and the, right there. And it's the start of the last half of the tribulation. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Why? It's going to be hard for women with children to get gone and get out of there. They've got to leave. They've got to get away from it. Now, some people don't preach this. They don't see that. 
And they're so mixed up and confused. Verse 20 said, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. Why? Because where are you going to have to go to? And I'm, I've, I've been studying this for years, been preaching it off and on from time to time. They're going to a place called Petra that God has prepared for them. If you don't know what Petra is, look it up. Neither on the Sabbath day, you don't go if it's cold. And, because the place you're going to go to get to Petra in the wintertime is full of water. If you'll read chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, you'll find out that the floods. Chapter 12, they're fleeing from Satan. And they're watching for the floods. Read it when you get home. I don't have time to get into it now. Neither on the Sabbath day. I think I mentioned this, may I mentioned this morning. Why, why the Sabbath day? Jews worship on Saturday. I was in the Holy Land in 1970, maybe 71, somewhere along there. A jet plane, an Israeli plane came over, broke the sound barrier. And when it did, it broke out the window of our uh, motel in Bethlehem. And the glass shattered and hit the ground. And well, and part of the place in, inside, and they had... Took a long time to get the glass up. It happened on uh, Friday. They come in and hung up a little sheet over the window. And I said, can't you fix it? said, well, we'll fix it, uh, we'll fix it Monday. I said, this is on Friday. How come you going to take to Monday? He said, well, you see the Jews... Worship on Saturday, which is fixing to come up here shortly because they're from 6 to, you know, instead of midnight to midnight, it's from 6 to 6. So the Jewish people, they can't work on the Sabbath. And the people that's going to do it, they worship on Sunday. And that's where we get our materials and they're not going to be open. Well, how you know that? That's there. So Monday, the Jews and the Gentiles were all back at work and they put the new window in. And we had to go to Tiberias the next night. I didn't even get to spend the night with the one that had the window in it. We had the curtains for two nights. And they've got it figured in, in Jerusalem. And not all the cities. Some of them are updated. Some of them don't pay no attention to that anymore. But they've got all the elevators. Programmed for one floor at a time. On Sabbath. It's illegal or unscriptural. To punch a button. So there, when you get on the elevator, the elevator goes from, uh, from floor one to floor two. Opens the door. Shuts the door. Goes from second floor to third floor. Opens the door. Closes the door. Goes from the next two uh, floors 
And if it's a 12, you know, a 12-story building, it takes a long time to get to the top. Then it comes down the same way. Now that changes on a different day than the Sabbath. You ever understand why that you don't catch all this, but it's there. Now what it says is, for then shall be what? I told you, great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. This is the great tribulation. That's the worst part of the seven-year tribulation. It lasts for 1,260 days. I told you about that Wednesday night. It lasts for three and a half years. But look at verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Preacher, it's not going to last seven years. Show me in the Bible where it's not going to last seven years. I can show you time and again that it will. Yeah. Well, what's it mean that God's going to shorten the day? God knows how long unless he cuts it short. Them Jews will die. Every one of them. None of them be left. They, there's two-thirds uh, two of the Jews will die in the tribulation. One-third of the Jews died in the Holocaust. Now we know that's two different times. So there's only a third of the Jews left at the end of the tribulation. And just like the Holocaust, I heard them say this all my life. I never put it together until I started reading the Bible. But they said in the Holocaust, when they got those people and rescued some of them out of those concentration camps, they called them uh Living dead. Living dead. Said there's nothing but bones. And they were dying. And if the Holocaust hadn't been stopped, they'd been more dead. God knows how long those Jews are going to be able to put through it. And what's going to happen? They still have not given in. They still have not given uh, up to recognizing the Messiah yet. And so God lets it go to he, his job is to make them believe and understand that he is the Messiah. Amen. And here they are, some are dying, fixing to die, and will die if God don't step in. But he's done got it figured. 1260 days in the first part, 1260 days in the last part for a total of three and a half years. And a preacher said, that's not right, preacher. God will cut them days short. And I say, well, what did he tell us it's going to last for 1260 days in the first part and 1260 days in the last part? God knows how long it's going to take. And if tribulation goes any further than seven years, they'd all be dead. So look at that. Now let's go back. In Thessalonians, this time I want us to go to 1 Corinthians 15. Well, time's done got me. Well, I'll get on this stuff and I'll tell you what, I just can't handle it. Amen. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51, this is the resurrection chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. 
Behold, I show you a mystery. Verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, all of us are not going to die. There will be some alive when Jesus comes. He said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, did you hear me say, well, it goes imminent return, that means it's fast, quick. A twinkling of an eye, did you know that's quicker than a bat? I ain't talking about the animal that flies up and down there. Bet your eyes. A twinkle's quicker than that. When the rapture takes place, before you bet your eyes, we're done gone. Scripture's plain. At the last trump, I heard a fellow talking about that, and he said that last trump meant uh, John Trump, the president we had. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Can you imagine me getting up here and talking about the last trump and trying to tie it to, amen, the president? He can't be the last trump. He got kids. Amen. All right. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the rapture. I could take as long or longer, and I could, I could stay longer here, but I could take as long or longer and get to the last part when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, but I'll save that because I couldn't do justice to it if I got started on it tonight. And I'll give you some more stuff. I'll give you some things. And they'll be in Petra. Amen. God's going to take care of them Jews. Mark her down. They got something tonight. You know, I feel sorry for them, but I don't feel sorry for them. You know why the Jews been kicked around, put through the Holocaust? You know why she's been hated and despised? Because she's walked away from God. God said, if you do that, I'll make you the tail and not the head. And Israel's suffering tonight. She don't realize why she's suffering, but it's because she has went the wrong direction. That's why the church is, is struggling tonight. We've done the same thing the Jew did. We've forsaken God. We've forgotten God. We took the Bible out of our life and our homes. Amen. Can you, can you understand that? That's where we are. I appreciate the Lord tonight. We'll stop there. But hey, we see all this come to play. Somebody said, I just don't like to see all that. I like to see it myself. I like to know what my Bible teaches me. I don't want to be a child of God today with question marks all on my mind and saying, I don't know where I believe that or not. I want to get to where I know what the Bible says and I want to believe it.
even if I'm not going to be here. We can take all this and try to tell our loved ones and our friends and those we come in contact with, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't get saved. Of course, they may not listen to you, but you better tell them. You know what? As a pastor, I've always worried about standing before God, preaching to people and never told them about the gospel. The Bible said that their blood will be on my hands. And I have to put up with that. But I'm going to tell you something that's even worse than that. Is to get to heaven and find out your children didn't go to glory. And then you remember, God will remind you when you get to heaven, he, you won't even think about it now. You're thinking you're living a pretty good life. But when you stand in the holy, holies of God, I'm not talking about in the temple, I'm talking about standing before God in the holy, holy, holy place of God where they're crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And there's nothing but the power of God and nothing but godliness and holiness. Amen. And you know that your kids didn't make it because you lived a life in front of them that wasn't right. And their blood will be on your hands. You didn't put them in the church house. You didn't raise them at the house of God. You didn't give them the Bible. You put them in the ball teams and everything else in the sun. And you let them do anything and go anywhere and live anyway. And they won't glorify and magnify God. They'll die and go to hell without God. And their blood could be on your hands. That ought to check us up. That's why I like to preach this stuff. That's why I like to do it. Because we're not here just to play around. I'm not sitting on the stool of do nothing tonight waiting on the, on the Lord to come and quit like some people have. I want to stay busy. Amen. All right, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll stop there.